I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Hello, and I am so absolutely thrilled to have with me today here on Voice America Radio, reporting for duty, reporting for duty. We've got Sergeant Vegan. Hi, everyone. Bill Muir, as well as Francis Shun who is with Mercy for Animals, and they are fighting. We don't like to use the word fighting. They are campaigning for vegan meals ready to eat for the U.S. military. A new survey showed that more than 80% of U.S. military surveyed want to have some plant-based options. However, there are, it's shocking to say, none. I was quite shocked to hear that. Uh, I'm going to go straight out to Francis Shun of Mercy for Animals, your organization, an incredible organization, did the survey. Give us the headlines, the bullet points. What did you find out? Thank you, first of all, so much, Jane, for inviting me to the show. This is a really awesome opportunity to talk about plant-based food options. Mercy for Animals was interested in, in uh, engaging in plant-based food procurement on the federal level. And in doing background research about a campaign like this, we found a a petition from active service members to the US military calling for plant-based MREs. And so we did a survey earlier this year from end of January to beginning of February. We surveyed 226 active service members across all branches of the US military, including Space Force, and found that 81% wanted plant-based options and almost 70% wanted specifically plant-based meals ready to eat, which I'll let Sergeant Vegan give you the details on those from personal experience. Um, But ultimately, also, we wanted to look into what sort of backgrounds these service members had, lifestyles, diets, and we found that over a third of them either eat no meat at all or want to decrease the number of animal products that they're consuming. We also asked if they were given the option between plant-based options and animal-based options, what they would choose. And 63% of respondents said that they would choose plant-based MREs over animal-based MREs if given the choice. So with these really this overwhelming support for plant-based options for service members, we took this, this survey to Congress. Wow. This is so exciting. Sergeant Bill Muir, a.k.a. Sergeant Vegan, reporting for duty, sir. Uh, You and I are good friends. We go way back. Uh, But uh, you served in Afghanistan as a U.S. paratrooper, and you remained vegan the entire time. However, there was nothing provided by our government for you in terms of vegan meals How did you do it and how do you feel about this campaign to get vegan MREs meals ready to eat for service members? I feel very good about it. I think the time is now to make that happen. Now, let's be clear, first of all, what an MRE is for people who are listening that don't know. So when you're deployed or in what we would call the field, which is you're not in a barracks environment, 
you're not able to go to a chow hall, a dining facility, you're basically carrying all your stuff in and then you have food or they drop it in for you. What is it? It's basically a meal in a bag and like a very thick plastic bag, kind of like, uh, like a survival kind of situation, kind of meal. You're going to have an entree. You're going to have a couple sides. So currently there is not a vegan one. Now also people are going to be interested to know that in every box, there's going to be two or three vegetarian meals. So what we're asking is not like some kind of crazy ask. We're not saying, hey, please, government, you, there's something that totally doesn't exist. We want you to create, use magic and, and kind of science fiction to create something. No, we're saying, hey, in every box of MREs, meals ready to eat, there already is a designated vegetarian option. I believe there's actually two per box. Let's make that plant-based. Let's and and something that people here who are listening who are m- might not be vegan would also definitely have the buy-in. Let's also make it. Personally, I think w- if it was also gluten-free and if it was also there was also something that would also it would be kosher and halal. So it's going to be something that if you're have dietary issues. It was going to be able to fit that. It's going to make the plant-based. And, and hey, I think that's going to be great for all service members. It's well, a win for everybody. You are absolutely right. Now, just before we went on, I don't ever ask or I try not to ask people to do stuff that I don't do myself. Okay. So I went on Mercy for Animals website. The link is in the comment section of Facebook. And you can just go to mercyforanimals.org. And essentially, in literally two seconds, I send an email to my two senators, Senator Dianne Feinstein and Senator Alex Padilla, and my member of Congress, uh, Congress member Ted Lieu. And I literally hit a button. Boom. I did autofill. uh, And I asked them to uh, please vote yes. But vote yes on what? What exactly is the mechanism that Mercy for Animals is using in its incredible campaign to get the U.S. military to provide more plant-based options, Francis? Yes. So the National Defense Authorization Act is an annual spending bill that sets out the budget and policy priorities for the U.S. military. This is an annual spending bill, so it passes every year. Usually the goal is to get this signed into law by President this year Biden uh, by around October 1st, which is when the fiscal year begins and when the former fiscal year's funds expire. So what we did this year was after going through and finding these really great, compelling survey results and looking at the, the current options that are available, there are only... There are no vegan options, as as Bill said, and there are only 17% that are even vegetarian, and those still contain animal-based dairy. So what we did was we took these survey results, we took what our service members told us, and we went to the House and Senate Armed Services Committees and spoke to different members of Congress who sit on those committees, simply because those two committees are in charge of drafting the National Defense Authorization Act. The House has a version, as does the Senate, and those versions aren't exactly the same um, until they go through, they get voted on by both the House and Senate, um, and then they go to conference where a committee is used to uh, resolve any differences between those bills, and then it gets sent to President Biden. 
what we did this year was we took these results and Representative Khanna, as stated by multiple news sources, led the charge. And he submitted an amendment to the House committee report accompanying the House fiscal year 2023 National Defense Authorization Act, requiring the Defense Logistics Agency, a component within the Department of Defense, uh, responsible for supporting military personnel, uh, requiring them to submit a congressional report by September 2023 next year that looks at three separate things. First, it's going to look at service member opinions on plant-based foods in the military. And as Mercy for Animals survey shows, there is certainly demand. Uh, second, they're going to do a feasibility study into the actual production and creation of meals ready to eat. And then third, they have to set out a plan to implement plant-based MREs. Wow, that is incredible. I have so many questions, but first we've got a caller on hold. Lindsay from Woodland Hills, your question or thought, Lindsay? Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question has to do with, uh, first of all, I think this is amazing. Um, this would be a great thing if it happens. But I'm also thinking about the public. I mean, this is sort of going a little off subject. But with all the crisis and survival things that, that people are buying now because of what's going on in the world, would the market also, would there possibly be a way to expand the market? Um, by providing these also for civilians that want to, that are vegans and, or just want to have a plant-based diet for emergency situations, would that possibly increase the market? Oh my gosh, that is such a great question, Lindsay Baker, because I thought about that myself. Uh, you, you hear about, oh, uh, a, a thousand year storm is going to happen, the probability factor. And then I go online saying, I want to get, and th there's no vegan uh, emergency stockpile like there is for uh, non-vegan food, where if you did have to hunker down and all the electricity went out and you were in a crisis situation, you would be able to survive. They don't have the, those kinds of crisis MREs that are vegan that I could find. Maybe I missed it. But wow, I got to throw that to Sergeant V. It sounds like you might have a new business. I actually have seen that. Generally, what I remember is none of it being great. I think I had seen some of that weirdly in Home Depot where they had, and it wasn't advertised as plant-based meals. It just said emergency rations. It was basically crackers and some other stuff and I think a thing of water. And that's different from MREs, the emergency rations. MREs you know, have different meals in them. There was usually, a, usually from what I remember, it was a... Entree, it was crackers, they had a snack, and then um, some kind of fruit slush. Kind of like, and, and none of it, let me be clear, none of it has to be that great. I don't think we're asking to, you know, that uh, Gordon Ramsay has to make a vegan MRE. We just want something that if soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors need something out there. And when I was in the military, you know, I was a, I don't know how many vegans were in, in, in active duty in war in 2005 to six, not many of us, but now what percentage of millennials and Gen Z's are vegan? We're, a, we're, it's a growing percentage and what we're going to have them starve or we're going to have them switch up their diet just because they're in the military. That's not fair. If it, if you can get a vegan meal in prison, there should be one if you serve your country. Uh, well said, Sergeant Vegan. I would think, Francis, you're an attorney 
working for Mercy for Animals, you have a very um, impressive background. Wouldn't this be just a legal and justice issue that um, I know, for example, well, uh, our writer who will probably write up the story for Unchained TV, uh, which is a website as well as a global streaming network that we run, all nonprofit, he actually got veganism declared a protected class in the United Kingdom, uh, akin to religion, that you can't tell somebody that you have to eat animals if it's against their belief system. Now, soldiers serving in a war zone or wherever, they're limited. They can't just run out or call Instacart or uh, Grubhub. I mean, they're they're locked in. So wouldn't it be almost like a, um, a constitutional issue that they should have this option constitutionally? I'm not sure I can necessarily speak to that, the constitutionality of this, but I will say that is an interesting conversation and one that should certainly be explored. What I will certainly highlight is that this is a step in the right direction and we can only go from here, right? And so to see any shift like this would be really phenomenal. And we look forward to exploring other opportunities to increase plant-based options in the military as well. This is obviously a very important issue. This is an issue of service member choice. If they're serving our country, they should be able to put into their bodies what they want to. Dietary autonomy makes a lot of sense. And that's why this is such an important and inspiring campaign. Now, let me ask you, obviously, Capitol Hill, politics, lobbyists for the other side. We know that there are a lot of important changes that need to be made providing healthy plant-based meals to school children, to people in institutions. And of course, the meat, dairy, and pharmaceutical industry, which are aligned because a lot of people wouldn't need all the pills and the surgeries and the operations that they're getting if they prevented illness with a healthy plant-based diet. But they try to squash these kinds of moves, even though um, a plant-based MRE would have a much lower carbon footprint even though the U.S. government has said it's committed to mitigating climate change, and this would certainly be a way to do it, we know that uh, quite often these kinds of common sense proposals get squished by the lobbyists for big ag and big pharma. Can you talk to us about that? Not to put you on the spot. Of course, certainly. Ultimately, any shift from animal-based products to plant-based products is going to, you know, make that light go off for big ag and for these big lobbying, um, these big lobbying conglomerates, essentially, right? And so what we want to do is increase plant-based options, but every time that you see that happening, you are going to get pushback. Now, What's important about politics is while we do have these different sides lobbying for certain things, constituents matter and people matter and those who vote matter. And so when you reach out to your representatives, when you contact your senators, when you contact your representatives and when individuals respond to surveys like these and Congress listens, that's a really important and powerful aspect of politics generally. So, yes, while a lot of these um, these issues and any shift away from animal-based products or from what society knows is going to be difficult, but ultimately it's really important. And it's awesome to see so much support coming out for 
priorities and for efforts like these. And once again, it's in the comment section if you're watching on Facebook or just go to mercyforanimals.org, go under government programs and boom, I did it in literally right before uh, I went on this broadcast. I thought, well, I want to check out and see how easy this is. It's so easy. You literally hit autofill, boom, send. And I send sent it to my two U.S. senators, in my case here in California, Senator Dianne Feinstein and Senator Alex Padilla and my members, of co- my member of Congress, Ted Liu. And that's great because I know that it counts. I know it counts. Uh, uh, they do look at these things and they discuss them in their meetings. And so, yes, there are lobbyists roaming the hall saying, oh, come on, buddy, let's go out for a drink. You know, I uh, just we don't need this. But then they go, no, look, there's overwhelming demand from the public. We got X, Y, Z number of emails. It really counts. So if you do nothing else today, do that. Uh, It's so easy. And um, now, when will we know, Francis? When will we have an idea? And what what are the chances? A lot of times you can get a sense of something having a, a good chance of winning or not. Of course. So we will know hopefully this fall. Typically in the fall is when consolidation or conference is scheduled, which is when the two versions, the House version and Senate version are looked at and they are put together, you know, make sure that any differences are resolved and then they are put together as one bill for the president's. Typically, that is the goal to get this to the president's desk is that October 1st deadline, because that is the beginning of the fiscal year. However, it doesn't always happen, uh, but we should have a pretty good idea by this fall. And as far as chances for this bill to pass, it is very likely it is projected to pass. Um, And so right now it's kind of a waiting game to see when it is going to go through conference and when presentment will happen to the president. Now, I have kind of a a layperson's question to ask. This creates a study. And meanwhile, climate change, we are all barreling toward a climate apocalypse. If you don't believe it, just look at the news. Fires, drought, thousand year floods, 500 year floods. I talk to people who are in Texas and the cost of hay for their cows in their sanctuary has skyrocketed. They're using the winter hay now. Ranchers are uh, sending their farm animals to slaughter because the drought, they have no water and the hay is too expensive. I mean, we are in a crisis and yet this has got to be studied. Uh, My knee jerk reaction, which I know is not sophisticated, is, oh, well, this should happen tomorrow. We shouldn't study it. Let's just whip up some vegan MREs. I want to get to that in a second, but we've got a caller from Atlanta. Sarah, your question or thought for Mercy for Animals, and Sergeant Vegan. Hi, I wanted to call in. I was in the Atlanta Veg Fest, and um, I heard uh, Sergeant Vegan uh, Bill speak, and I wanted to find out about. Uh, he has, I think, some books about Sergeant Piggy. I think, and I was going to ask if those are in schools. Are they doing um, education? And I know he's in the military, and I know he's trying to do that you know, feed vegan to the military. But what about the books that he writes? Um, or is that something that he's pursuing with the education? Um, right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. 
an auteur as well as a paratrooper. Wow. Take it away, Bill. So I would love to say that, uh, oh, I have it coincidentally right here, that I would love to say that The Adventures of Sergeant Piggy is in all schools. But, uh, well, unfortunately, Sergeant Vegan is just me, and Sergeant Vegan is an RN and works for a living in a pandemic. So I'm pretty much limited by the resources of what I can do. I, Adventures of Sergeant Piggy is Tell us about your book. Wait, share the book? Tell us about it. What is sure. it? So I've written three books. Uh, Vegan Strong is a field manual for vegan living. Basically, everything about vegan and all the hippie propaganda of veganism taken out. I know a lot of people are going to be like, but I like hippie, hippie propaganda. I get you. But if we're going to save the planet and have less animals die as a result of all the awful that's happening, we need to kind of think outside the box and meeting people where they are on eating plant-based or veganism is kind of a good first step. Then I wrote a kid's book on being vegan and eventually Sergeant Piggy. I wanted it to be super upbeat and positive because I saw a lot of vegan books for kids that were all weepy and sad. And I mean, let's face it, I think we need a lot less of that sometimes. Let me uh, say this and I'm going to jump in because I think you've raised a very important point, Sergeant mm -hmm. Vegan. Well, thank I you. mean, there is a, a false perception, Francis, about our movement that is encouraged by the meat industry that somehow we're flaky. We're all hanging upside down from trees. Not that there's anything inherently wrong from that, but I have never hung upside down from a tree, actually. I was in mainstream media for 40 years. You're an attorney. He's a paratrooper. There are firefighters, police officers, you know, rank and file people across the board everywhere who are going plant-based because it's the smart thing to do. And yet it's characterized as somehow kooky. Getting MREs, that are vegan, that are plant-based into the military would go a long way toward changing that misperception, would it not, Francis? I agree with you completely. I think it would certainly work to change the misperception. Not only is every time we leave animal products and animals off our plate saving animals, it's also shifting perceptions, right? And I think that federal procurement and federal purchasing of plant-based food would not only spare those animals, it would also help shift perspectives. Oh, look, plant-based food is attainable. Look, I can eat this. Wow, it tastes good and it's good for me. And that actually brings me back to the survey as well. The survey also explored why service members were interested in plant-based options and specifically asked about the health benefits and the environmental impacts. And overwhelmingly, again, you know, service members agreed. That's why they were interested in plant-based options because it's a climate-friendly option. It's better for our environment and it's better for our bodies. Our, our bodies are meant to eat plants. So <laughs> I was glad that the survey results really reflected that. Yeah. And we want to look at this as individual rights. We want the best and, and brightest in our armed services. If the best and brightest now, if a good percentage of over 20% of Gen Z millennials are at least identifying as vegetarian, vegetarian adjacent and vegan, well, why are we not going to have options for them? Number one. Number two, what, we're just not going to recruit them? We're, we're just going to, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's an individual right issue as well. It is an animal rights issue and it's going to be just better for everybody. And since the, since those meals already exist, but in a, in a way that, you know, you can't fully consume, like I've had the, 
I've been given that, then half the meal I can't eat. And so I'm just eating the fruit and then eating the, uh, the wheat snack bread, you know? And you told me, I remember once that people from all over the United States sent you vegan food while you were working, uh, serving, uh, the military as a paratrooper in Afghanistan that you had basically strangers sending you. Oh yeah. Tell me about that. So, so when I was, there's a whole story about being deployed and being vegan in the military. We probably don't have time for all that, but we can go into as much as you guys want. But just to answer that one question, uh, there's a, there was something called AnySoldier.com where you could go on online and say, hey, I'm deployed. These are the things I need. I mentioned the stuff that my soldiers needed. They wanted, uh, I think, Maxim magazines and like shaving cream and like, I don't know, what we call pokey bait, which is snacks. And then I was like, and I'm vegan and I'm freaking starving. And people sent me stuff. We had airlift. Every week we would get an airlift just of stuff. And the response was awesome. It was overwhelming. Almost I had a Tofurky sponsoring me. It was, it was great. Uh, I was still in war, but I mean, to not be starving when you're in a stressful situation is definitely a, a step in the right direction. And Francis, you found that, okay, 3.5%, I believe, of service members surveyed said they were vegan? Yeah, we did. We did have service members who actually said that they were vegan. Um, I believe it was 11% total who were either um, vegan and vegetarian. Uh, So that's a pretty high number for service members serving our country when they don't have options currently. Yeah. I mean, again, I can't imagine because I know that there have been so many court cases where um, you you can't force somebody to do something that's against their uh, deep moral beliefs akin to a religion and say, well, yeah, so what? You're you're vegan, you're in prison or you're in an institution or you're in a military. You got to just eat whatever's in front of you. I mean, we know that most vegans would go on on hunger strikes. Ethical vegans would go on hunger strikes before eating animal products. Um, I certainly would like to think I would. Uh, And uh, yet, if there's no vegan MREs, then what on earth do they do except for do what Sergeant Vegan did, which is go on a website and say, help, America, help and get some gift bags sent to him. It's just absolutely extraordinary that in the 21st century, that in 2022, that we don't have this. But I'm so glad that Mercy for Animals is bringing up this issue, which I think had kind of been sort of under the radar. I think there's been a lot of talk about vegan meals, vegan options in schools of late. Obviously, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City has brought in Vegan Fridays. Um, There's been a lot of talk about vegan options in hospitals. uh, And there's been some legislation to that effect here in California. But uh, the military has been flying under the radar. And thanks to Mercy for Animals, this has been brought to the forefront. And I think it's absolutely incredible. I want to ask you, you know, uh, this should be an absolutely bipartisan issue. Uh, We have a couple of minutes to our break. Is it a bipartisan issue? Are you getting bipartisan support, Francis? That is a really good question. Uh, I I completely agree that this should be a bipartisan issue. Uh, it's certainly not a partisan issue. It's only about dietary aut- autonomy and offering you know choice to our service members. So we really haven't seen very much pushback about this amendment specifically. And I don't 
anticipate that we will, especially considering this is a study. And to your question earlier, politics, unfortunately, are a little slower and legislation doesn't happen in the same way we wish it would. Um, And so it does usually require deep studying before making choices, even though it would be incredible to make these immediate changes. Um, But I don't think we're going to see too much pushback, hopefully, for, for this effort. It if, if folks are saying it's partisan, I think that's kind of missing the point. Well, yeah, I've often found that only animal issues bring, bring the left and the right together. In the state legislature here, you can have people that have wildly different political views. But when it comes to saving animals, particularly dogs and cats, that's the baby step they're they're all in and they they have often said at their news conferences no this is my political enemy but we're here together because we love dogs and cats we just need to expand that circle of compassion to other animals because most animals are not dogs and cats most animals uh aside from insects are cows pigs chickens turkeys goats and lambs 80 billion that we're raising and killing every year when we're only 8 billion humans And it's accelerating climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger, human disease. And um, there's something we can do about it. All right. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio. We're going to stay live on Facebook. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to The Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re entering a portal to a transformative way of living. We are talking to Mercy for Animals, Francis Shun, 
and attorney with MFA. What an incredible organization. You can go to mercyforanimals.org and learn all about it. And you can also uh, just follow the links to send a message to your senators and member of Congress that you want to see this clause, this amendment in the Defense Authorization Act that will propel a move to having plant-based meals ready to eat, MREs, available for U.S. military members. 81% of U.S. military members surveyed said they want to have plant-based options. And we're here also with Sergeant Bill Muir, a.k.a. Sergeant Vegan, who served as a paratrooper in Afghanistan and remained 100% vegan thanks to the generosity of everyday Americans who sent him uh, vegan food because he had none provided by his government, even though he was risking his life uh, in the service of the military, no vegan options. Let me ask you a question, just a personal question that I'm curious about. Sergeant yeah. Vegan, when you were in Afghanistan, did you get flack from your fellow uh, military members about the fact that you were vegan or how did they react to that? Uh, you know, not as much at flack while I was actually downrange, we call it, uh, as in regular training scenarios or back in the States. The reason being as their, as their medic, uh, I was basically like mom, dad, and the only one whose job it is to make sure that they're healthy and alive. So you're not going to make fun of, or, uh, or, you know, bust somebody's chops if their whole point of their job is to, you know, if you get sick, I'm there giving you an IV and giving you meds. If you get shot, I'm, my job is to run over there and almost, you know, and possibly get shot myself to run over and, and care for you. So no, w whether it was the, uh, the Marines I was with, whether it was my own paratroopers, whether it was just random people on, on, on any of the uh, forward operating bases, whether it was the locals that I was bandaging, people didn't, uh, didn't care that I was vegan and uh, would not have made fun of me because, again, my whole job was to take care of them. Now, when I was uh, obviously uh, in, in training or whether it's basic training, airborne school or, or try not to be a ranger or any of that. Yeah, I got, I, obviously people uh, made fun of me all the time for it. Why? Because you're in a overly, you know, super oh, like whatever one uh, jargon you want to use, but you're in a, in a highly aggressive environment where people are talking about killing and this, that, and the other. And they're like, and this, this hippie MFR is like this, but, but no, in Afghanistan, no, I, I would say maybe I had a conversation about it, maybe at most light ribbing, but not while we were at war. No. We have a caller, Simone in Los Angeles, your question or thought for mercy for animals, Francis Shun and or Sergeant vegan. Hi, I really just wanted to leave a comment and say how this should have been enacted probably a long time ago based on that great survey that Mercy for Animals did. Um, we had to actually, I'm the Vice President of Communications at Social Compassion and Legislation, and we actually had to take it and make it a law, you know, when we had our plant-based meal options enacted in uh, hospitals and healthcare facilities and prisons. And um, without that, I wasn't sure that it would ever happen because we had had so many vegans that at one point or another, not, not 
many for health reasons, but, you know, you break your leg, you need to go to the hospital, maybe you have to stay overnight, and there's nothing for us to eat, and certainly nothing that's healthy. And now um, I'm so happy to say that when you go, you might just end up with, you know, a Beyond Burger, <laughs> which is incredible. So um, I just wanted to applaud this effort and say that it is way overdue. Uh, it just makes sense that our military needs to be as healthy and protected as possible. And of course, in order to do that, they would need to be fueled by plant-based options. Thank you, Simone. Wow. Yes. I mean, this is so overdue, but now is the time because let's face it, you've got in the news, the Beyond Burger, the Impossible Burger. We're in a revolution. Just this week, I covered uh, Kevin Hart, the famous comedian's new vegan restaurant right near LAX here in Los Angeles. And the line was down the block, hundreds of people. And I did my own informal survey. Most of them were not vegan. They were wanting to have more vegan options. They wanted to start incorporating uh, plant-based options into their diet. This is a journey. It's not an event. I don't know about you, but I didn't just go vegan from being a, a meat eater. I actually was raised in a mostly pescatarian household, but I still ate eggs and fish. And then I went vegetarian. And then upon meeting the great former cattle rancher turned vegan activist, Howard Lyman, about 26 years ago, that's when I went vegan. So it's a process. Uh, I didn't just I wasn't born vegan. So a lot of these people are going through that process and they're saying, hey, I want to have more vegan options. I want to be able to eat something that's delicious, but is not laden with cholesterol. There is no cholesterol in any vegan product. Uh, heart disease is America's leading killer. Pandemics aside, which is also a zoonotic illness and likely, very likely based on the consumption of animals. Uh, at a at a wet market, at a slaughter market, uh, the preponderance of evidence, conspiracy theories aside, point to that. So um, that's why we need this. It's not. It's yes. It's to help those three point five percent of the population that, like Sergeant Vegan, are vegan. But it's also to help those who are proactively learning about how lowering your cholesterol means that you don't have to take those cholesterol lowering pills and uh, all sorts of other pills that you need that are based on basically ruining your health because you're eating a heavy, heavy meat and dairy laden diet. Uh, can you address that? Are you making any health arguments, Francis, by in your promotion of this amendment? Yes. Yeah, so we are um, always making, <clears throat> excuse me, health arguments when it comes to plant-based eating. And also because we did ask in our survey whether service members believed that eating plant-based foods is healthier for your diet, is a healthier diet for your body. And we found that a majority over half agreed that it is. So let me ask you, let's say this passes. How soon could we actually have the MREs that are vegan? That is a question I've been asking myself as well. I'm not 100% sure um, because the goal for this amendment is to get the congressional report uh, by September 30th, 2023. So from that, and, and that report, again, will include a feasibility study. So it'll look at plant-based MREs and make sure that they will have the same nutritional value and the same 
um, shelf life, as well as being able to be dropped out of literally uh, helicopters, as I'm sure Sergeant Vegan can tell us about. Um, but they're going to do a feasibility study. The Defense Logistics Agency is going to be tasked um, through this amendment to do this feasibility study. And so when this report comes out, theoretically, it should include how to implement these, how to make them, and it'll show that service members are demanding plant-based options. So really, it's we're, we're hoping to work with the Defense Logistics Agency, Mercy for Animals is, um, and so we are hopeful that this report will have a really solid path forward and, and we'll be able to really set the, set the path for more plant-based options and plant-based options for our service members. Wow. And Realistically, it, if that passed, I would say three to four years. Only, only having, you know, I work for the government now and I work for the government then, uh, nothing, nothing happens super fast. And the reason for that is uh, they, after the study, then they would have to study it again. Then they're going to have to find a manufacturer, then, then blah, blah, blah. Then, then they're going to have to test and retest and test and retest. But three to four years, if, especially if this passed and, and if we pushed it, that would at least, I mean, at least we're, we're helping in the future versus the, in not doing this and then letting it just, you know, keep going the way yeah. it is. I mean, we have to accept life on life's terms. The military is the military. We can't change that. But we can certainly uh, point out a gaping hole. Oh, yeah. um, let's face it. Uh, the diet that Americans are eating now is not a healthy diet. Look at the statistics. We are not a healthy nation. No. And so uh, the proof is right there. Obviously, they're going to do their own tests and do whatever they have to do. But all the evidence is there. Uh, and it's really, really, to me, shocking overall that the, um, <clears throat> and as I say, this is a bipartisan issue, that administration after administration is not connecting the dots, while climate change is accelerating to a point where it's no longer just this hypothetical or theoretical thing, it's in our face. It's in our face every day when I have to make the choice, do I want to water my plants? And my neighbors are going to look at me funny because I'm watering my plants. And I want to say to them, look, and they do look at me funny sometimes. And I say, look, you know, vegan diet saves 1,100 gallons of water a day per person. Okay. Uh, we're 8 billion humans. We have 80 billion animals. I read a statistic that we drink about five humans, drink about 5 billion gallons of water a day, but animals the farmed animals are consuming like 45 billion uh, gallons of water a day. Now, you can quibble about the numbers because different people have different statistics, but just basic logic will tell you 80 billion animals are drinking a lot of water. And those are animals who are not naturally occurring in the wild. These are animals who are forcibly impregnated into existence. And so right there, when you talk about drought, that is a huge issue. Then when you talk about world hunger. I read a horrifying article that 22 million people in Africa uh, and surrounding areas because of climate change, because of heat, because of drought, are in danger of starvation. And then there's a starvation problem in Afghanistan as well. And they talk about the war in the Ukraine, but really 80 billion animals eating a huge percentage of all food grown and being an inefficient food source is one of the main reasons. So let me ask you, Francis, as an attorney who uh, 
I would assume goes to Capitol Hill. Uh, why is this basic math something that the best and the brightest, which, by the way, was a sarcastic title, the best and the brightest brought us the Vietnam War quagmire. But why is it that this just doesn't seem to resonate the way it seems like an obvious solution to us? I think it does resonate with quite a few members of Congress and quite a few people in the administration. It's just one of those things that this is what has been the standard in the United States for so long. And the, the big ag industry is very powerful. And so any level of shift is difficult and you kind of, you have to work really hard to make it happen, but it brings me back to the work that Mercy for Animals is doing for this procurement. And it's really important to do. And even though it is difficult, and even though we do have to have the conversations where Mercy for Animals, you know, it's, it's sometimes a little difficult to have conversations about farmed animals with congressional members and offices. Um, And so we just continue doing this kind of work because ultimately we are seeing increases in support. We're seeing more people go vegan. We're seeing more and more plant-based options. And so it's very inspiring um, and it's important work. Yeah. I think to answer your question, Jane, the, it's not even an elephant in the room. The megalodon in the room is animal ag and all the money. There's so much money in the animal ag lobby. Of course, they're going to not talk about the leading cause of climate change because it's lining all these, I don't want to say every politician, but most politicians' pockets. And that's why the Beyond Burger that you go buy costs 10 bucks and a regular burger, regular and animal-based burger costs $2. If it wasn't subsidized, if it wasn't for that lobby and it was the other way around, yeah, maybe the Beyond Burger would still cost 10 bucks, but the animal-based burger would be 25. And then we would be seeing these things the way they really are. It's the money that's built into this system. And if we were able to get rid of all the lobbyists and, and all that, I think things would be a lot different, at least in our country, and, make, and we would be way forward in making the world a better place. Well, I always say that the first, the first country that adopts plant-based is going to really be the dominant uh, culture because it is the key to surviving in the future. And... Uh, the farm bill comes up for renewal next year in 2023. And I've talked to a lot of people who are trying to lobby uh, members of Congress to reduce the subsidies for the commodity crops that are fed to farmed animals and increase subsidies for fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes that human beings actually eat. Does this dovetail in any way with what you're working on at Mercy for Animals to get vegan meals in the U.S. military, Francis? Through the farm bill, we are looking for, uh, we're going to look at other um, initiatives. Um, Right now, we're really focusing on military food. And so that's really within the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, Of course, our farm bill work will go towards ending industrial animal agriculture and increasing plant-based options. Um, But right now, what we're really going to try to focus on is making sure that this report is generated and created so that we can use it in further iterations of the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, I would also like to note that the companies who create 
MREs and supply them to the Department of Defense also create humanitarian daily rations, which are by default plant-based so that they can accommodate different backgrounds, religious and dietary restrictions from around the world. And so the companies, I mean, that suggests that it wouldn't be too difficult to make a plant-based option as well. So definitely. Well, I've had some of those halal meals before and they're pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that is actually a really interesting aspect because then it could be more, it could happen faster because if they've already got the technology in place because they're making similar meals for humanitarian delivery that because they have to apply to everyone uh, in a humanitarian crisis are default plant-based, that would seem to indicate that it might be easier to transition the U.S. military to providing some vegan MREs. So that's really interesting information. And do you have an opportunity to explain that to members of Congress or their staffers when you're advocating for this? Absolutely. Yes, we have told staffers. um, The difference between humanitarian daily rations and MREs is that Humanitarian daily rations are for the full day versus MREs are just for each meal. Um, But still, since they are plant-based, it makes it seem like a feasibility study already has a lot of that groundwork laid. And so we're very optimistic that this report will be comprehensive and be a really good next step for offering plant-based meals in the military. Um, Let me ask you this question, and I'm just curious about this. You go to Capitol Hill. Obviously, we have a pandemic and things happen virtually. But what is that process? Uh, Because a couple of times, you know, years ago, I accompanied people to Capitol Hill. And it was quite a challenge to get to talk to anybody who actually had any power. Like, in other words, there's a lot of barriers. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think a lot of people are curious about how that works. Yeah, of course. I can give a very brief overview. Um, When you are interested in reaching out to a congressional office, usually you can find their staff members and each of their staff members are, they each have portfolios that they focus on. So they have their different issues on which they're experts. And so usually you meet with the lower level staffers and then they run it up the chain to their legislative directors, their chiefs of staff, their members of Congress. Um, But what is really important to remember is that there's a lot of turnover on the Hill. And so when you're meeting with somebody who might be a legislative assistant, that person might be on the Hill for the next 10 years. And so every time you make a relationship on the Hill, every single time I meet with somebody, I'm always very excited. I'm always really just happy because this is a contact. This is a relationship that if I foster this relationship, it could be very positive. And ultimately we could get a lot of good stuff done. And so it's a little different now um, with it being virtual and with going to the Hill, especially since the insurrection, um, the security is very different and you wait outside now and, and they come out and get you. So it's definitely different, but it's always energizing and I do love going to the Hill and it's awesome to get to work closely with, uh, with, staff members in in member offices and on committees as well. And when you hit them with the facts, like I had an actual member of Congress call me uh, and he was seeking donations. Of course, I took an opportunity to try to educate him as much as possible. And he kept saying, very nice person. uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for giving me that information. Oh, I wasn't aware. And I was like, really? (laughs) 
really? You weren't aware that it's, you know, a, a major cause of our health crisis, which means uh, our deficit, because a huge percentage of the money uh, that the U.S. government spends is for health care. And a lot of it could be avoided if people were healthier. Uh, and then you have climate change and you have habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger, human disease. Even immigration is an issue because people uh, and the New York Times did one article on this that I read uh, are migrating because they for generations had been subsistence farmers on their land and grew their crops and lived there. And now that land is no longer temperate and they can't just sit there and grow their crops and live there because it goes from extreme heat to extreme wind to extreme rain. The climate has become unlivable and that is happening with increasing frequency. But you bring up these points and they're like, wow. I'm like, well, what? Where have you been? Um, Do you think that not to put you on the spot, but I guess the last question is, do you find that reaction or is that just me? I I often get reactions like that. I mean, <clears throat> even telling people that I'm an animal rights attorney, they ask me what that means and what animals need lawyers for. And so oftentimes I do serve as an educator on the Hill. I take information. We at Mercy for Animals like to make sure we have very detailed fact sheets and just very polished materials to take in that clearly lay out all of our points. Everything is supported. And so ultimately we have very positive meetings and are, are the folks we meet with are usually quite happy and energized and inspired by what we bring to them because these are awesome campaigns and especially a campaign like this, it really matters that service members are able to choose plant-based food options. Well, wow. And yes, on recycle paper, I printed out this plant-based MREs, which really just does an entire very, very uh, clear summary of the survey And the headline, once again, as we wrap up, 81% of U.S. military members surveyed said that the U.S. military should provide more plant-based options. And so that's what we're here talking about. You can help. Go to Mercy for Animals. Go under uh, programs, government. It's right there in five seconds you can send a message to your U.S. senators and your member of Congress. Final word, Sergeant Vegan. Hey, uh, new book, Dead Meat. My new vegan book, Dead Meat, drops today. Check it out, Dead Meat. And look me up, sergeantvegan.com. That's sgtvegan.com. Thank you so much. I so appreciate talking to both of you. Absolutely incredible conversation. And uh, look for the article on Unchained TV. I always let everybody know this is our global streaming network. You can get it by going to unchainedtv.com where we have 700 videos and counting, and including documentaries, vegan cooking shows, music videos, talk shows, uh, the, the whole works. Uh, you can download it on your phone for free, or you can get it on your television via your Roku device, your Amazon Fire Stick, your Apple TV, or if you have a smart TV, you can put it into the search channel, uh, streaming channel search bar. So thank you so much. Check out Unchained TV. It's 100% nonprofit, 100% free. And you have been listening to Mercy for Animals, Francis Shun, an attorney who is, I don't like to use the word fighting, advocating in Congress for plant-based meals for those serving our country, as well as my dear friend, Sergeant Vegan, who is always out there. I uh, actually do like to use the word fighting, fighting for animals. 
Okay. Fighting for animals. You win. I love you both. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.